0: Welcome to Backstory Song. I'm your host, Doug Burke, and today we're here with Robin Cage. Robin Cage's songwriting creates atmospheric storytelling married with dreamy pop alternative melodies. Her multi-octave range can race from smoldering lower registers to soaring sopranos. Her title song on her debut album, Born in the Desert, won Best Alternative Song at the Utah Music Awards. Her follow-up album, Slow the Devil, was named Best Indie Album of the Year by Scorpius Magazine, and features songs about demons, dreams, and duality. She is classically trained in piano and makes a wide range of emotional electronic sounds. Her songs can have an operatic and theatrical production style that takes the listener on a storytelling route. Today, she discusses the songs Born in the Desert, The Fallout, and Theater Noir from her catalog.
1: start with the song Born in the Desert. Born in the Desert is one of my personal favorites of my own songs. It's one of my favorites to perform live. And it's very autobiographical, both in a literal way and a metaphorical way. When I was writing it, it was one of the first songs that I wrote for my debut album which was called Born in the Desert. And I knew I wanted the album to be called Born in the Desert. So I was like, well, I should probably write a song of the same title. (laughs) And as soon as I sat down to write it, the song kind of wrote itself. Okay, I was born in the desert, the year of the flood. Now, anyone who lives in Utah knows what year the year of the flood was. I don't wanna give away my birthday. In the city of the temple. I feel like that one's pretty self-explanatory. Bathed in blood. I was a rough birth. I was born screaming. I've walked through fire and I've shed my skin. Uh, for me, that is the experience I had in New York. Was, that, was my, that was my trial by fire. And I felt like that was where I first shed my skin as an artist. I know where I'm going and I'm ready to begin. And you tell me I'm too late. That was what I was told. When I first started to write songs, I was 27, and I was told that I should have started writing songs 10 years earlier because it was already too late for me to be viable for any sort of major label. I had been living in New York City for the past five years and mostly doing musical theater while I was there. I actually loved the rat race and the cutthroat competition of New York. I loved it. I thrive in that environment. What I didn't love was my disconnection from nature. I love the wide open skies and the really dark nights and the wildness of the West. And I missed it so much when I was in New York. They say there's a thing called the call of the mountains. And when m- people who are originally from you know mountainous areas move away to cities, there's a very, very high likelihood that at some point in their lives, they're gonna move back to the mountains. So that was me, and that was the call of the mountains, and uh, and the call of the desert. When I came back here, I wrote songs for my first EP. I wrote this EP, which was essentially half an album, and it felt like I I had more to say that I wasn't quite saying, and I thought, well, okay, let's let's expand this. Let's make it a full length album. I'm gonna call it Born in the Desert because I felt that my returning to Utah was a rebirth of sorts. I took a week, was it 10 days or a week? I think it was a week. <laughs> I took a week and I went to Southern Utah by myself, no phones, no computers, iPad, no technology, just you know, uh, a tent and a writing notebook, a ukulele and a battery powered keyboard. And I spent that week writing songs. So Born in the Desert was a song that had described my journey as an artist thus far. I would sort of had this, you know, v- sort of long identity crisis as to who I wanted to be as an artist. Like, I loved acting, but I loved singing more. And music felt like it was my way in. For Born in the Desert, it really did feel like a rebirth. Like, I wanted to become a new artist. I wanted to be the artist that I had within me the whole time, right? It didn't come as quickly or as easily as I thought it would. This is the story for so many of us, right? You know, you think like, this is it. I've found my calling and voila, I'm going to be a successful, you know, singer, songwriter, recording artist. It was not that way. It was an enormous struggle. And I had some some great breaks early on, but then things plateaued. And so when I wrote Born in the Desert, I was feeling deeply frustrated, stuck, once again, unsure about who I was going to be, where I was going to go. The inspiration that, that kept like, coming to me, that kept cycling in my mind, was the Greek myth of Sisyphus. Whose damnation is to push a boulder up a mountainside. And at the end of every day, the boulder rolls right back down the mountainside. And he's been working so hard and accomplishes nothing. And I'm pushing this boulder up the mountainside. Nothing to show for how hard I've tried. That's directly from the Sisyphus Greek myth. But it's not in vain. It's going to rain. And that's my persisting belief that the payoff is yet to come. And then the second verse, I'm just getting started. I'm not going down. I've come this far and I won't turn around. A voice in me rages, a noiseless shout, silently screaming, let me out. And that was this feeling that I had an artist's voice that I wasn't using. That was that feeling when I was doing theater, when I was singing other people's songs, that I had my own voice. I had my own things to say, and I was not using my own voice until I began to write my own songs. And then we get to the bridge. The bridge is, I've died a little death of a thousand little cuts. I resurrected and rose from the dust. That was sort of the slow breaking down of uh, all the the little demons, you know, Um, the fears, anxieties, and, and past experiences that led me to that place where I was when I wrote the song. Wandering the desert, searching for a dream, I finally found who I was born to be. That's one of those lyrics that sounds like metaphor, but it was literal. <laughs> <laughs> it was literal. I was wandering the desert, quite literally, searching for a, a song. Mm. That's what I was feeling at that time as an artist. That was where Born in the Desert came from. Even though it's a song that was born out of frustration and this feeling of being lost, the core message of the song is that, you know, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. I'm still going to go for it. I'm going to try to persevere. And I I have trust in the universe and faith in myself that if I continue on this path, I continue to believe and I continue to work So hard every day, it will pay off. It will eventually rain in the desert. (laughs) So that's born in the desert.
2: From the battle of last night, I saw a sight of you I've never seen before. You saw a sight of me, I only say for a war. I'm on the floor.
1: This is Fallout. And this is one of the darkest songs I have written. And that's saying something. I've written some dark songs. <laughs> this one was written after I'd gotten in a very bad fight with my husband. And it was a it was a a fight so intense that it had gotten physical. I feel like it's an important thing to talk about because He is not abusive by any stretch of the imagination. This is not that kind of song. It is not that kind of relationship. But we are both emotional people. I am a volatile person, (laughs) so is he. You know, when things get heated and intense enough, I think it's actually a normal human thing that nobody talks about anymore. So we had this intense fight. Nobody was hurt. Neither of us would ever hurt each other, but it was a physical fight. It was such a shocking and mm. deeply upsetting and disturbing experience that I didn't know if our marriage would ever survive and if we would come back from it. The song came to me very early in the morning. I actually, the morning after this fight, I. Uh, I, also, I still work as an actress doing commercials. <laughs> so I uh, was on my way to a commercial shoot. Early in the morning, about 6 a.m., it was very gray outside. The sky was gray. It was snowing. It just felt like um, nuclear fallout. The idea for the song came to me. And at the time, I was way too emotional to even think about writing the song. So I spoke a few words into my my voice memo in my phone, and I wrote down the title, Fallout, and some ideas. And that was it, I left it. I did not touch the song until I was on my desert riding sabbatical. And it was the second song that I wrote while I was there. And at that point, it was months down the road, the relationship had recovered, things were fine. I, was, I mean, it took some time to get over the fight. Like, it was not okay for a while, but it got okay. Like we recovered and we're good. And, um, yesterday was our six year anniversary. The fight was like two and a half years ago. So we came through like, it's okay. There's, there's a happy ending to that story. So when I wrote the song, I felt like I could actually look at it with a new perspective because I was through it and I had time to let the ideas marinate. I think sometimes while I'm going through an experience, you know, and especially a really emotional experience, I can't write about it at the time. It's too raw. It's, uh, it's too overwhelming. I'm too close to it. And so if I give it some space and I give it some time, I can come back to it and I can still remember all the details very, very clearly. You know, I haven't forgotten the events. I haven't forgotten the feelings, but I can look at them more objectively, if that makes sense.
0: And so the video is very uh, Halloween the third. Oh the 13th. yeah, we had fun oh, with the video.
1: Yeah, oh. the video is pretty tongue-in-cheek, actually.
0: Yes, because I don't get that. Oh no, the, song the heaviness. The lyrics. Yeah, I mean it's a heavy obviously heavy song. We
1: definitely let the video take on a much lighter feeling than the uh, reality of the song. I do, I should preface this by saying that I have an obsession with all things post-apocalyptic. I have multiple songs that have uh, sort of apocalyptic themes or references. Well,
0: I was going to ask you, were you uh, considered a goth in high school?
1: No. 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 No, oh, the, I was an because I that's was a very nerd. goth that It video. is very goth. I love the goth stuff. I love it. Um, but no, I was an I was a band geek through and through. I was I was a nerd.
0: But was the song inspired by sort of goth instance? Or uh, not? Just the video. And the video was kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of in more, more
1: just the video. Okay. Yeah. The song really was um You know, there's absolutely the post-apocalyptic metaphor. But I felt like in this particular instance, it was fitting because it felt like the end of the world.
0: So I find that um, sort of forgiveness is required to get beyond that kind of fallout. Oh, yeah. Um, Did you write the song after you got through
1: a yes. stage of forgiveness? Oh, or did yes. did you write
0: it while you were
1: pre-forgiveness? Uh, no, I had definitely, I had forgiven him. I had forgiven myself when I wrote the song. I, I was through the stages of healing. I think I wrote the song, let's see, the fight happened in like January or February. I wrote the song in May. So I'd had a few months. So it really was just a memory at that point. I don't think there were any residual feelings of conflict left.
0: Was it cathartic to get the words out
1: then at that point? It always is. It always does feel like, wow, that was a terrible experience, but hey, I got a song out of it. <laughs> I've got, I have got a bunch of those.
0: Do you want to talk about the
1: lyrics? Yeah, let's talk about the lyrics. Okay. So it begins, gray morning aftermath is falling from my eyes. No warning, wearing bruises from the chaos of last night. And a lot of that really is quite literal. Like I said, it was a very gray overcast. What do they call it in Salt Lake where they have the um, the pollution,
0: the inversion, the
1: inversion. Thank you. It was an inversion kind of day driving, especially in Utah County where my commercial shoot was.
0: <laughs> it that was, does feel like a nuclear fallout. It fall. felt
1: like <laughs> nuclear fallout. And, it, you know, it was just that sort of light snow that was falling like it, you know, and it looked just like if you've seen the Chernobyl series, the fallout that was coming down like snow and kids are playing in it and you're like, no, what are you doing? Get out of there. Anyway, back to the song. I saw a side of you I've never seen before. You saw a side of me I only save for war, and that was all very true. Like I said, things got rough uh, physically, and I have uh, I have a violence in me. I think most of us do. I think it's very repressed. I think that we also have to be extremely careful. And like I said, this is not a thing that I am proud of, but I I do also think that is a thing that happens. I think it happens more than we talk about it, and I think that it is not something you can chalk up to domestic abuse. This is not about domestic abuse. This is about a fight, if that makes sense. I'm on the floor in the fallout. We both lit the fuse. How will we make it through the fallout? That's the chorus. Gray morning, my face is wet, my mouth is dry. I remember trying to get through that commercial shoot and I had uh, eye drops to keep the redness out of my eyes and had to drink water because I had that, uh, that horrible, like, sickly, dry mouth feeling. Like, you know when you're so emotional that your body starts to freak out? That's where I was. Words forming to apologize, but then I'll lose the fight. So I spent the whole morning just thinking, I don't know how to face him. Because I knew I had things I needed to apologize for. I knew, I knew it was partly me. But it was also a lot him. And it's like the first one to apologize is like the one who loses. And it's a terrible way of looking at it in retrospect. But, you know, at the time, it felt like you would rather keep fighting than admit you were wrong. Again, I saw a side of you I've never seen before. You saw a side of me. I only save for war. I'm on the floor in the fallout. And then the bridge. Your face is covered in ashes and dust. The air is colder in the space between us. Is this Armageddon? Is this how it ends? Now, obviously, this gets more poetic. This is where I start to really get into the metaphor of that apocalypse. But it is rooted in reality. Like, the air is colder in the space between us. It was was weeks before things started to feel better. There was this sort of, like, permeating coldness in the house that we shared, and and it did feel like it could be the end. It wasn't. We got over it.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah.
1: And, you know, one of the original lyrics was, instead of saying, we both lit the fuse, how will we make it through? The original lyric was... It was something along the lines of, I know we'll make it through, I'll find my way back to you through the fallout. That was the original lyric. And I actually felt like it resolved too much. I didn't want this song to have a happy ending. I didn't want the song to have a hopeful ending. I wanted it to live in that space of darkness and uncertainty.
0: The melody is not upbeat.
1: No. Yeah, the whole song's in a minor key. The production is fairly dark. And I think that's why I wanted to juxtapose it with a kind of like campy, fun video. Cause I've done, I've done the dark videos as well. And I wanted to do something new. And it was around Halloween time. And like I said, I'm obsessed with all things post-apocalyptic. And I thought this is a great opportunity to make use of some of our desolate abandoned spaces out by the Great Salt Lake. And <laughs> that's what we did.
2: Freaks, home of the depraved to welcome to theatre noir. Nagina can charm any cobra. Sabra can swallow any sword, masters of the macabre, gladiators of the grotesque, prodigies of all perversions. Lydia, the tattooed lady, takes the stage. A serpent wound round her neck. Defined roses decorate her arms. Flames lick their way up her legs. With a proud full gaze, she confronts her audience. Welcome to theater noir. We take pride in our deformity. Profit from your disgust Natural-born monstrosities Self-created oddities Morbid curiosities Okay, theater noir.
1: This is the oddball one. This is one of my favorite songs uh, that I've written, and it's probably my favorite song of my own to perform live. I had to fight for this one because when I recorded my first album, I pitched the music to a bunch of different producers. I made my wish list of top producers, Grammy nominees, Grammy winners, uh, who'd worked with artists who I like, love and respect. And I was like, wherever you are in the world, I will go to you and record this record. So I put together three of my own songs, demoed them, and sent them to producers. And I heard back from a bunch, who said would love to work with you but theater noir is a no-go like don't go that direction you'll never have a career as an artist finally i ended up talking with uh, dan burns in la and and he was like yeah i'm in I'm totally game totally game and i was like all right let's do it let's do it let's record this record i i love your work i you know i think you've done brilliant work for artists who i am very influenced by so let's let's commit and right before we signed the contract, he was like, oh, by the way, I don't think we should do theater noir. <laughs> and I was like, we do theater noir or we don't do the album. And he's like, OK, we can do theater noir. <laughs> he's like, "We'll we'll do it in like a, you know, quirky Tom Waits kind of style. And I was like, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want for this song. So, it, you know, it, it it worked out, but it was it was one that I had to fight for. But it's a song that that means a lot to me. I feel like I come to life when I perform it. Uh audiences get really into it. They love it, they remember it. People buy the album for the song. I think that it just freaked out producers because it's it's different. I mean, I made a pop album and I put a theater song on a pop album. Look who else has done that. You know, like it's like Tom Waits, Tori Amos, Amanda Palmer. Like, you know, Lenka is a pop star and she's made songs that are totally theatrical like that. So I thought, you know what, if I can't stand by what the song represents, then I'm a phony as an artist. So a little background on the song. As I mentioned earlier, I was born and raised in Utah and I was not raised Mormon. I didn't really realize until I was probably in, you know, sixth grade that everyone else was part of a community that I wasn't a part of. The area where I went to school was uh, almost completely Mormon. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. They're really nice people. But all the Mormon kids did all their church community things together. They did all their activities together. They played together in the playground after school they hung out together and so kind of by default and without realizing it i ended up becoming close friends with the like two other kids who also weren't mormon right and i didn't really put those two together until i you know got to about junior high as soon as i realized like i didn't stand a chance at popularity i had a couple of close friends but i was never going to be accepted by this community right so i was an outcast uh it d- did not help that i also was a nerd so i was i was the kid that played oboe in band <laughs> i uh you know i won the geography v in the science fair <laughs> like this is the kind of nerd that i am but i found you know i found my my fellow misfit oddball best friends and and together, you know, we kind of formed our own little geek community, and I'm still like very close to to most of them today. And yet, the whole time, I started to develop a chip on my shoulder about feeling like an outcast and and feeling like I would never fit in. And I desperately wanted to fit in. It wasn't. It wasn't until I even started writing my own songs, because I think I spent most, most of my, all of my teenage years, much of my childhood and a good portion of my adulthood, just trying to, to fit in and be cool. It was not until I started to write my own songs that I realized that you don't get anywhere by fitting in. You don't want to be just like some other artist who already exists out there. You need to be something completely different. You need to be your authentic self. Like, find the things about you that are unique and that are different and amplify them. That's where, you know, your special, specific artistry comes to life. And for me, that was theater noir. And that is essentially, at the heart of it, what the song is about. So the song is about circus freaks. Who have, you know, because I I wanted to like take a community of people who have embraced the things about themselves that are weird and different and played them up and are now celebrated for it. So, yes, it (laughs) it is a grotesque love story, but at the heart of it, it's really about celebrating the things about yourself that are that are unique and different.
0: It has a Berthold Brechtian feel. Oh, to very name. much so, yes. Uh, Mac the Knife-ish. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if that was part of your inspiration uh, or- Three Penny Opera
1: was in my training. Yes. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I love like, um, you know, Pirate Jenny, these sort of long, dark story songs of like, Brecht and Vile. Yeah, definitely. I was on a big Tom Waits kick when I wrote this, but I know he was inspired by Brecht and Weil. And I was also listening to a lot of Amanda Palmer and Dresden Dolls. And I know that she's also very uh, influenced by Kurt Vile. So those are uh, a big, big part of where this song came from. Any other questions or should I dive into the lyrics? Go into the lyrics. Okay. Welcome to Theater Noir, the traveling circus sideshow. Land of the freaks, home of the depraved, welcome to theater noir. Nagina can charm any cobra. Sabra can swallow any sword. Masters of the macabre, gladiators of the grotesque, prodigies of all perversions. Interestingly enough, this is a co-write with um, a guy named uh, Stuart Maxfield, who fronts the band Fictionist down in Provo. Stu and I had been working together uh, probably about a year and, and I'd had writer's block and he was like, well, you know, generally speaking, I would write lyrics and then he would put music to them. And he's like, he's like, I feel like you're too tied down by rhymes. Why don't you just try writing a poem, write a, write a poem that doesn't rhyme. I was like, okay, sure. So I wrote this, this welcome to theater noir poem. It was never meant to be a song. And I brought it to him the next week, and I was like, hey, I wrote a weird poem. <laughs> I don't think this is a song. I don't think there's a song in here, but I enjoy the poem. I like the story. What do you think? And he read through it, and he's like, this could be a song. And I was like, how? And he's like, well, I don't know. Like Maybe try to trim down the words so that you're fitting like similar syllables into each sentence and find rhymes where you can and... Play with other poetic devices, and I was like, "Okay, I know what to do." So I went home, and and so what ended up happening is there's a lot of wordplay in here, and there was even before I revised the song to the poem to work as a song. For example, um, Nagina can charm any cobra. Like Nagina is, do you remember Ricky Tikki Tavi? Nagina is the snake, the female snake. Um, Nagina, I think, also is. A word in some language, meaning snake, don't know what language. Uh, Sabra, again, saber, can swallow any sword. And then I found all kinds of opportunities where I could find some alliteration. So masters of the macabre, gladiators of the grotesque, prodigies of all perversions. I just thought, well, all right, if I'm not going to rhyme, I can at least have consonants and assonants and alliteration. And now Lydia, the tattooed lady, takes the stage. A serpent wound round her neck. Defiant roses decorate her arms, and flames lick their way up her legs. With a proud full gaze, she confronts her audience. Welcome to theater noir. Now I'm introducing my main character, Lydia the Tattooed Lady. I like the idea of these sort of self-created freaks, right? We take pride in our deformities, profit from your disgust. Natural-born monstrosities, self-created oddities, morbid curiosities. So saying that there's equal value whether you were naturally born a freak or whether you made yourself into a freak. It is equally something to be embraced and celebrated. Next up, young Aiden raised in sheltered bliss in the unassailable Midwest. This is our romantic lead character. The red carnival ticket was admission to a brave new world. One look at lovely Lydia, and he could hardly see the ink. He saw beauty beneath her branded skin. Her eyes whispered to his soul within. They said, welcome to theater noir. Uh, so we have the innocent young man, Aiden, meeting the beautiful tattooed lady. "'Onward the caravan crawls, with Aiden following after. "'His lunatic obsession only grew with each rejection. "'Welcome to theater noir. "'Backstage he proclaimed his love, "'but Aiden was tragically rebuffed. "'We are all abominations, and without some aberration, "'you'll never be one of us.' "'And I sing that in my best Lydia voice. "'I'll do anything,' Aiden replied. "'I'd walk through fire to stay by your side.' And that's precisely what he did. His hair melted and his flesh dripped. He rose like a phoenix from the smoke and ash. Thus was born the smoldering man. Welcome to theater noir. Yeah, it's dark, it's gross, it's fun. And then the final verse, come see the tattooed lady, at her side the smoldering man. The legendary lovers, so scandalous, so strange. Twisted and taboo and so deliciously deranged. Witness their wickedness, their pleasure and their pain, and welcome to theater noir. And then this is the bit in the song where um, we have a little instrumental section where the band starts to gradually speed up, and we get people to clap along or stomp their feet or make some noise or dance or whatever. And uh, it's the sort of audience participation moment that always is fun. And we keep increasing the speed, and it becomes this sort of competition or race between the band and the audience (laughs) to see if they can keep up with us. And uh, usually the band wins. But sometimes when we have a rhythmically inclined audience, they'll hold their own, if not win. I think we recently had an audience win. And then finally, the song ends with, we'll glorify your scars, you'll be the greatest star. Yes, welcome to theater noir.
0: So that's my weird one. And I like the way you end that uh, musically. And um, I was wondering when I heard it if you were referring to the freak show that is Park City. I've heard uh, folks in Provo call Park City the land of misfit toys i don't know if you've ever heard that, that is before. funny but you know we are considered the outcasts of how um,
1: appropriate i uh, did not know that yeah, but i can i can see
0: I did it. not know that okay so, where
1: it could come and, from
0: and i was wondering if any of the characters were based on I mean, some of the um, freak show characters who both live here and stay here but also come here our tourist industry combined with Alcohol and bars and music—sure,
1: it's a wild can scene. Can lead
0: to a freak show of its own. Yes. When you are at the cabin or Opie Rockwell or
1: yes, uh, uh, you know, actually, okay, so it's similar. You're on the right track, but it's a little different. When I came to Utah, I did not intend to stay here. I had planned to move to Los Angeles. I I stayed here, worked for Sundance, met. Uh, the guy who was now my husband, and we fell in love and the winter season ended and I was getting ready to move to L.A. We had entered into the relationship with the understanding that I was moving. I was like, this is not going to be a long-term thing. I am leaving and I'm not going to do long distance. You know, late March, as like moving day is approaching, he finally tells me like, look, if you... If you have to move to LA, he's like, I I hate LA. But I will move there with you. <laughs> I will move to LA to be with you. And I was like, "Oh, jeez. Okay, let me let me rethink this whole thing." And so, in this story, I am Lydia the tattooed lady. He is Aiden the smoldering man. And the idea is that I am already part of the circus as an artist, as a performer. I've I've been in the circus for a while. But he was willing to join just to be with me in that kind of way. It's funny because we were we were actually driving down to southern Utah when I wrote this song or wrote the poem that the song was born out of. I was bouncing ideas off of him. I was like, "Oh, I want to write this love story about this, you know, trapeze artist in the circus and and you know, she, she's like a traveling circus performer. And because at the time I'd been moving so much, I didn't feel rooted. I was like, oh, I might as well be in a traveling circus. I was constantly touring while I was in New York and I never felt really rooted or grounded anywhere. And I was like, and you could be, you know, the, the guy who joins the circus to be with her. And, and then the conversation evolved and I was like, no, wait, what if she wasn't the trapeze artist? What if it was a sideshow and she was the tattooed lady? I was like, I like that better. And then we're brainstorming possible endings for the song of like, well, like, does he, you know, follow the circus everywhere? Does he, does he join what happens? And I was like, oh, here we go. He disfigures himself to become one of the freaks. (laughs) There is a romantic love story for you. So, and I just decided that the weirdest and most shocking ending was probably the right one. So that's what I ended up going with.
0: Do you have any tattoos?
1: Not a single one.
0: Actual ones, metaphorical ones you
2: have?
1: Oh, metaphorical, a plenty. Okay. Um, no, no, no tattoos at all. I love tattoos, actually. I love them on other people. I've never been able to commit to an idea of, of, of one for myself. And I figure I've made it this far without any. I might as well just continue with that.